here from Wrap Your Head Around Silks. This is the Expecting Aerialist podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. Just wanted to let you know in the show notes, there's a link to my website where there's a free gift for you. Check it out there. I'm so excited to bring you Natasha Wang today. She is an incredible pole athlete. She is really well known in her industry, the pole world. And I've asked her here today to talk about sister communities, how our communities and industries kind of work differently, how they're similar, how they've done in the pandemic, and what we see for our lives and our communities coming out of this pandemic, hopefully. So I'm so excited for you guys to hear this conversation. Let's get started. Uh, listeners, this is Natasha Wang. And even though she is not an aerialist, she is in the air all the time because she's a pole artist and pole athlete. And she has been very well known in the pole industry for how many years would you say? Um, let's see. I started competing in 2009. So okay. around 2009, 2010. It's like a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And can you... Tell us, remind me and tell us what that was, you know, around 2009, 2010 and how you, you know, just tell us a little bit about yourself, but how you ended up teaching so much and, and kind of where you are now, like when it comes to trajectory of your career. Yeah. So prior to competing, so in 2009, 2010 was when I started competing. Um, And prior to that, I was working at a PR firm uh, as a publicist, and I did that for nine years. Um, And I wasn't really even teaching at that point. I was just taking pole classes as a hobby for fun. And uh, there were some competitions locally that I signed up for. And Back in the day, um, when you won a competition, it was a really big deal. Like today, there are a ton of competitions all over the place. There's like, seems like there's like 10 competitions a month. Um, But back then, there were only a handful. So if you won one of those competitions, it was a really big deal. Mm. And studios all over would invite you to teach workshops and brand sponsors would, you know, give you stuff and (laughs) pay pay for your training and pay for your plane tickets if you went to go compete. So, um, so yeah, so I won some competitions then and, uh, back then pole was also still a novel sport or art form. Uh, today it's much more mainstream, uh, but today, uh, but back then it was pretty novel. And so I flew to New York and was on the view. I did some local TV stuff. Um, I very publicly fell on live television, which was really fun. <laughs> so I, I literally knew none of this actually. Oh, really? I'm yeah. sure. I t- I'm sure we, st- we talked about it in Hong Kong. You just forgot. There was a lot of wine <laughs> in Hong Kong. Yeah, I was just gonna say that there was a yeah considerable amount of after after hours drinking. So oh my god, we'll yeah. tell the story later. But like the first time me and Natasha actually really hung out, there was I think we were drunk most of the hours we were actually h- hanging out. Probably. Most of the hours, yeah, Probably. it was a good time. It yeah. was a good time. Yeah, it was fun. Um, okay, so. Yeah. I didn't know this stuff. Yeah. So that was the start of it. And so then I started teaching around that time. Okay. And then many years later, I remember you decided to go back to competing. I've competed on and off through the years. The last competition I did was 2018 and I was supposed to compete in 2020, but then, you know, the world went to shit. So, oh, you decided you were going to do that that recently. That's amazing. It was, yeah, I, you know, and I, it was a, it's a competition that I've done a lot and I've won in the past. And so I have a really good relationship with the organizers. Um, but in 2020 they had it in, it was supposed to be in, uh, Johannesburg, either in Johannesburg or Cape town. I can't remember in South Africa. And, uh, then it was postponed and it was pushed at multiple dates and, um, you know, COVID, ravaged South Africa pretty, uh, pretty severely. So they eventually were just like, well, we're, we're just going to have to cancel it indefinitely. Um, but yeah. And I, I was sort of reluctantly, you know, going back to competing. I didn't really want to because I'm old now and, you know, older, we'll use the word well, older. older. 
But if you were to look at the poll that I did back in the day, um, it was groundbreaking for the time. And now, eh, you know, there's youngins out there who are doing much crazier things and contorting their bodies in ways that I'll never be able to. So it's it's a different landscape. I actually feel like there's not a lot of people doing groundbreaking things anymore because it's so hard to break the ground anymore. Mm, I don't know. No, you don't agree? No. Well, no, I think, I think the amazing thing about pole and, you know, you and I sort of talked about briefly about this the other day, I feel like with pole, there's still so many physical possibilities that it hasn't been exhausted yet, which is, and I I think it's because in its current form, there hasn't been that many years of artistic creation and development in the pole world you know, relative to other dance forms and art forms. No, you're I mean, right about that. Yeah. It's more new. It's, it's younger. Right. I mean, even though it's, well, I mean, you know, it's debatable. You could say, well, you know, the, there's Malakam in India and Chinese pole. And of course, strippers have been, you know, doing all of these moves for, you know, I think since I want to say that late 1800s. Gosh, my, my, really, my pole dance history is not, not the same type of movement, but, but sure. I mean, you know, the foundational movement is from the strip club. So they've been doing it at least since the twenties. Yeah. I think it's also debatable. Like when silks actually started, like somebody like has a picture of us really a long time ago. And it's so debatable too. Besides that, I just wanted to catch up with Natasha one of the reasons that I'm having her on here is to do this comparison. She's in such a sister industry to ours, but they have such different elements because of the apparatuses. And it's interesting to me how the pole world goes towards competition and we don't, and we sometimes do, but it doesn't really lend itself somehow Mm -hmm. to competition. The injuries are kind of similar, but then very specific to the apparatuses and Mm -hmm. then um, just local industries too, because her and I were talking yesterday about the pole, just commercial industry, like people taking classes. And I was actually thinking about this leaving the studio today because I just finished teaching right before this call. I think Rachel and Brett have said that this is the most successful the studio has ever been. Right now. Now. Yeah. Wow. I know. I I mean, it's great. It's great. And we were saying maybe it's because people don't really have outdoor rigs and they need to come to the studio Mm -hmm. to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, Because we did see a dip during the, the pandemic. There's so many students that went away, didn't do it for a year and then are finding their way back. But people are finding the way where, their way back, you know, and we're very grateful for that. Do you think that has something to do with the fact that the aerial arts are inherently you socially distance just by, because you're, you know, you're, you're up in the air by yourself. I mean, I would say, wouldn't that be true for you guys too? Like if you guys had a space that you could open a garage door or something, wouldn't it be safe ish? I mean, we have, we have masks on in the space. Right. Well, you've been to B-Spun. So B-Spun has, yeah. our poles are, I, I want to say our poles are maybe eight feet apart. Um, but we're all, you know, and some of us, you know, during a class, some of us are up, some of us are down. Yeah. But I feel like, it, you know, there are very few of us at the studio that are all the way at the top of the pole. And I think we have maybe 16 foot poles, but it's very common, at least in the circus schools I've been to, where you're up in the air and I don't know. I just feel like it's a, yeah. it's, and it's yeah. also a bigger space. It's taller ceilings. There's, you know, I could be wrong. Right. Because you've seen, you've seen, you guys haven't seen that resurgence yet. Um, it's yeah, it's been a, a it's been a slow return. And I think there's a lot of studios in Los Angeles that are kind of more sexy style. Like they like the heels and they like to, you know, wear the sexy outfits and, um, maybe having to wear a mask prevents you from fully embracing that central side. Although the way I see it, I'm like, well, there's, there must be a lot of students who maybe feel less vulnerable or, you know, they're more willing to kind of like let loose because, they have that mask on, you know, it feels like a kind of protection. 
I don't know. Poss- possibly. And then the dance studios in LA are, are also, I don't know how full they are. I don't know if they, you know, have a capacity limit, but you mm-hmm. know, people are taking dance class in masks. Okay. All so right. what has, okay. What has the pandemic year? So March, 2020 to now, mm-hmm. what has this like been for you personally, for your industry as a whole, like the way you see it from your perspective? Cause I actually spoke to you at the beginning of the pandemic and then now mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I think we skipped, we skipped a whole year in there or something. Yeah. Uh-huh. So how, how was it for you overall? Uh, well, I mean, there were some positives, you know, I, I used to make most of my income traveling and teaching workshops and pole camps and judging events, uh, and doing a little bit of performing here and there. Um, so obviously that all stopped and it forced me to stay at home and really pivot really quickly. Uh, fortunately the studio that I teach at in LA, Beespun, went really quickly to Instagram live classes when that mm. was, a, that was a thing. So I, I want to say like the week after lockdown, they were like, you know, let's, let's teach some classes on Instagram live. And, uh, for a couple of weeks, I think they were free. Well, yeah, obviously it's Instagram live, so it's, it's free. Um, and we did that for a while and then we moved to virtual classes over zoom. And of course I started doing that on my own as well. And then, uh, last summer I launched an on-demand platform called Poletica and yeah, so now it's, uh, it's virtual mostly, and then some live classes in studio and, you know, it's been up and down, (laughs) um, (laughs) the income that I was making traveling and teaching was good, but there were a lot of, uh, you know, uh, out of pocket expenses like plane tickets and food and hotels and that sort of thing. So, uh, staying at home and just teaching from my house, I was actually able to, you know, save a little bit. Okay. Um, I remember you saying this to me because we were in Hong Kong together and I was trying to convince Natasha to, pretty much spend all the money that we just made. <laughs> and right, go to China to go to the Great and, Wall. Yeah. And, and jump on a plane with me the next day mm-hmm. to go to the Great Wall of China because you're right there. Yeah. But you'd already been there once. Is, is that the truth? Is that what I'm remembering yeah. correctly? I went there when I was nine. Okay. So that was a long time ago. Um. I mean, I would de- definitely go back. I think it was when, when we first met was when I was traveling a lot. Like we're talking 70% of the year. And so it's crazy um, to me. Yeah, it was, it was, it was out of control. And so for me, a holiday, a vacation was being home. Like if I didn't have to travel for work, you know, like, and I would, I would go to amazing locations, but it was still work. It was fun but still nice to be at home. And, but because basically I don't travel as much and I definitely in the last couple of years, I've gone to Asia a lot, but I was like, when am I going to another, get, get another chance to go see the great Wheel of China? That's right. True. So That's I true. actually spent pretty much everything I made, but then I, mm-hmm. I, you know, cancel everything out and I, you know, took this great trip, saw this great thing for nothing basically. Mm-hmm. But the funny part is that she's trying to tell me on this podcast that, you know, she, she saved, she's trying to like travel and not spend the money while she's on the road. Cause it's hard to do that sometimes when you're traveling. And, you know, of course I was the one, you know, three glasses of wine in at three o'clock in the morning. I'd be like, buy it, buy it. As you should, as you should. I mean that, Hey, if, if, uh, if I wasn't traveling so much, I, I would have gone as well. Um, and I've definitely like, I taught it on a pole cruise, um, and we left, uh, I think Fort Lauderdale and we cruised around the Caribbean and all the money that I made there, I spent when we docked and, you know, came home, I think, I think I made $150. So I've definitely <laughs> had before where it's been, you know, you just spend everything, but yeah. 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 But that's, I mean, I was just always blown away by the fact that you were able 
to book that much work. And so obviously life has changed a lot for you. Not so much for me because to me, like there's only a handful of teachers out there on the aerial side that could even compete with that. Sarah mm-hmm. Romanowski being one of them, right? Good mm-hmm. friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And it's just not the same. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I think, I think it's, is it because there's, because there's a competitive element to you guys' industry that makes it, you know, because people are preparing for competitions. Is that the thing that makes it different? Why there's the industry of like teach workshops and that sort of thing in the, in yeah, the like why, industry. yeah. I have no idea. You can make so much money doing it. Like I'm, I'm floored. Yeah. And I know not everybody can, but you and a couple other, I'm sure in your industry. Well, and I've had this conversation with a couple of circus artists and this was especially, uh, I would have these conversations with a few people when I first started traveling because I would, I had these friends who were circus artists and they were incredible. And some of them were also my teachers at the circus school, like when I was taking Chinese pole classes. And I would always try to convince them. I was like, listen, there is a huge market of pole dancers who want to learn the stuff that you do on this Chinese pole. They want to learn the flips. They want to learn all this dynamic drops and stuff like that. Um, And, you know, at the time I forget how much they were making teaching one class at the circus school, but it was nothing compared to what you could make teaching a workshop at a pole studio. And so a couple of them kind of went out and I know Cujo, you know, Cujo. Yeah. 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 He was teaching at um, a studio in LA. Um, And I want to say Steve Gale also taught some workshops. Oh, okay. And Steve Gale's the one that brought us out to Hong Kong Mm -hmm. for that gig. Yeah. And Timber, I'm pretty sure, taught some pole workshops. So, you know, there was a little bit of crossover. Yeah, I just think, I I think the pole world is just a little bit more, um, I I feel like in the circus world, you, you have, you know, a bunch of creative artists who open up a circus, you know, training center. And it's like very, a lot of them are very purist. You know, it's like we're Mm -hmm. artists. Oh, yeah. um, You know, uh, we're you know, we're, we're, we're artists. Whereas in the pole world. I, I think the world is circus snob. Yeah. They're, it's funny. Cause uh, yeah. my, one of my friends posted a meme on Instagram a couple of days ago and it was, I have to pull it up at, at some point and, and see exactly what it says, but it was something to the effect of like, uh, pole dancers, like are delusional and think that they're friends with circus artists where circus <laughs> artists are looking at pole dancers like, uh-uh, no way. <laughs> and it's that snobbery. It exists, definitely. No, it does. Well, I even got a little bit of that when I first started because I'm a dancer first. Mm-hmm. People hated on us for so long. Mm-hmm. And I still think some might because they feel like it's not, I don't know. You came in from a side door or something. Uh huh. You still have to do the hard work. You know, yeah. you still have to do the hard work. There's no, what's the word? Convincing gravity that you're different somehow. Right. <laughs> it's not, you still have to do the hard work. Exactly. But yeah, it, it can be a little bit like that. All I know is I'm just floored by how much you were, you were teaching. But I have to say, you know, I have a, I have an online platform now. I actually started before the pandemic, a year before, but it came in a great time. And now you've Mm -hmm. had the time to develop yours. And I have to say that when all of this is said and done, and it's not yet, you know, we're all very, very fatigued with this, with this Mm -hmm. pandemic, obviously, like like our industries are, I can't use the word decimated a hundred percent because, you know, the studio is coming back, the one I'm working at. But when it comes to Hollywood, when it comes to people feeling free to come to a in-person class, depend, you know, it's rough. And I feel like, I don't know when Hollywood's going to bounce back completely. You know, we're right in the middle of Omicron. I've, mm-hmm. I've gone back to not going anywhere inside with my daughter. You know, it's, it's, it's a very sticky time, but hopefully it'll go the other direction. But after all of that... I feel like the fact that you have an online platform and then hopefully you can go back to the other type of work. It's, it's the best of both worlds. It really is. Yeah. I'm, I'm grateful that, you know, and, and it's, it, it sounds horribly privileged, but 
you know, I'm grateful that the pandemic gave me the time to be able to develop, you know, the side hustle that is going to come in handy in the future. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think I'll ever return to the way that I was traveling before. I don't think I'll ever go back to that. Even if the industry started picking up again, I don't think I can, I'm, I'm getting too old and it's, it's just so fatiguing to have to travel like that. But, um, but yeah, I'd, I'd like to do a little bit of, you know, getting out of my, my room. That would be nice. My partner travels way more than me because I I'm always with my daughter and he travels if somebody needs to travel, but I haven't been on a plane. I haven't traveled since, oh yeah, yeah. March of 2019. Wait, but what about going to Delaware? I've never been there. Oh, yeah. Ace has done all of it. Asa, me and my partner just bought a house in Wilmington, Delaware for the future future. Um, you know, no, I've never been there once. (laughs) I just, it's like, you know, you buy a car online nowadays and apparently (laughs) also a house, (laughs) but I was, I was in my first trimester of being pregnant and I had booked this job on a, like not a cruise, a long contract, but it was only a week. But the the flights were booked, the visas were were done, everything. And then I found out I was pregnant. And I was like, mm-hmm. I wasn't even doing aerial. I was just dancing. I could do that job. Mm-hmm. So I went and then it was the choppiest ocean I've ever been on before. I just, it was terrible. I was nauseous 24-7. Um, when I wasn't um, sleeping, I was nauseous. But that's the last time... I traveled and it was to Japan and China. So I'm glad okay. that I went. Yeah. It's a really, really long time ago. I just took a tangent and I was trying to bring it back to what something you said, <laughs> but I got lost. Anyways, so can you tell us about your online platform? Uh, yeah. So it's called Poletica. It is a membership-based platform where I have pull tutorials and different training programs and... Um, you know, there, there's, there's a bunch of classes that I've posted up there because when you teach zoom classes, you, you know, you might as well record them. And so I edit them and post them up there and yeah, it's, uh, it's chugging along, you know, it's, uh, it, it launched was great. The, the first couple of months are great. And then studios started opening up. So we got a little quiet and, you know, it's weird. It's, it's a, it's, as you know, you have your own platform it's mm-hmm. uh it's like a baby or well, I was going to say a plant that you have to tend but no it's more <laughs> like a it's more like a baby that you have to feed and clean its diaper and take care of and yeah if you neglect it then you know uh, right dies. right right and um is it is it mostly for people who already do pull or it's not a beginner platform is it um, I do have beginner content on there, but most of the people who subscribe are intermediate advanced. Okay. Because that's mostly the content. The, the, that's mostly the things that I teach, but there's, there's a lot of beginner content on there. Um, I feel like, okay, so I've been following Natasha on Instagram ever since I met her. And the thing that we debated yesterday, I just don't know how you make this shit up, honestly. Like, because I'm looking at this apparatus and to me, it's so simple with silks. You can wrap it around four of your limbs to do something. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it still blows my mind because every single time I see you do something new, even though I don't know exactly what you're doing, I can see that pull people out there are trying to figure out this weird transition. You just did from your elbow to your knee pit without falling off. And I just, like, I don't even know how you make it up. Or if you're kind of getting inspired by some other pole person and then kind of making it your own. Like, what is your creative process like there? Because it's, it blows my mind when I see you do stuff because I'm like, I don't even understand. <laughs> well, <laughs> first of all, thank you. Oh, um, yeah, of course. But, uh, it, it, well, you know, there's there's a big, there's a big pole community on Instagram. And so a lot of stuff gets um, gets seeded out. Somebody posts some transition and then the next day, 15 people are doing it. And 
you know, as you, you know, when, when you learn, you, you know, like all artists kind of start out copying other artists. Right. And then the great artists will take what they've copied and find some way to turn it into their own movement style. Yeah. So I think, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm a great artist that came off totally wrong, but, but no, um, but I mean, we would, I would put myself in the same category where you end up figuring out your own style and being able to take a seed of an idea of something. Cause I, right. you know, like with, with Ariel there, there are to every weird, crazy shit you see, there's a bass rap in there. Mm-hmm. There's a bass foundational thing that has a name that's universal for the right. most part. And I can take that base and that idea and that seed and then grow, grow on my own plant. So I think that's mm-hmm. what you're talking about. Cause that's what I do too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you probably take a lot of influence from the world of dance and your dance movement style. And I, uh, wasn't a dancer, but I practice yoga. And so I've been following a lot of yogis on Instagram. And then I see some, you know, weird hand balance that they're doing. And I'm like, Hmm, how can I translate this to the pole? And then I'll do it as a handstand. And then I'll try to take it up in the air. And then I'll try to press up into it. And then I try to exit out of it. And then before you know it, you, you know, you're creating all sorts of cool little movement nuggets that, you know, you've never done before. So. Yeah. And do you ever come across something that's really hard for you? Like physically? Oh, all the time. Yeah. Really? All the time. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yes. I like my, my body knows my body moves in the pathways that it likes to move. And I like don't have a flexible back, for example. So anything backbendy is like just not even a possibility. Um, but yeah, of course. So many things. She is, no, it's like, I don't know. I'm asking you the questions. And if somebody asked me the same questions, I would answer them the same way you are. Like my, <laughs> my bend, my back doesn't bend at all. Like it's all legs. You know, uh-huh. mine's all legs. So I totally, I can totally relate, but I view you differently than I do myself. Right. So okay. no, I don't, I, I feel, I feel like in the same breath, but you, because your apparatus is so foreign to me. Mm-hmm. That's, that's why. That's why it's like, I'm like, wow, Natasha, uh-huh. what the fuck was that? And then, you know, but I know, <laughs> I know on my own apparatus, it is also, it's the same, you know, we're like yeah, exactly. on the same coin on the other side, but because it's so foreign to me and I have tried to do pole before and, and you were great. <laughs> no, I wasn't actually speaking about the one day that she gave me a private and I was like, oh my God, just bruised. <laughs> but no, I did a, I did a month of pole once for a job because oh, right. I had to learn how to do a certain thing in a month. And mm-hmm. Wow. A month is not that long. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Natasha has this new, uh, online platform. And I, the, the reason why I feel like this is just so great, even though you'll go to some hybrid version where you're kind of doing both. And so will I, I just feel like I'll get emails from some of my students or people who haven't bought my product yet, but they're following me from like Slovakia. Mm-hmm. Like I would never, have a contact with that. I would never be able to teach that person otherwise. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. And it's just so nice because then you get to teach your, you know, you get to get worldwide even more than you could in person. So it's, it's super cool. Yeah. And I, and I feel like your, your platform is probably a lot more niche, right? I mean, there's, there's probably not a lot of other aerial platforms, are there? There are, yeah, that makes me wonder. I mean, how many pole, like things like this are there out there in your industry? There's, there's a considerable amount, amount especially oh, okay. since COVID. Yeah, there's a lot of artists who started their own platforms after COVID. So there's, it's a pretty, I wouldn't say it's completely saturated, but, and there are some heavy hitters. There are like companies that have, they can invest in having many, many artists who send their tutorials there. And I'm involved in a couple of other platforms that, um, that have, you know, 30 artists that contribute content. So. I wouldn't say ours is saturated yet, but definitely in the last two years, it has changed a lot because everybody is having the same thought. 
Mm-hmm. Everybody's like, oh, I have to pivot. Pivot was like the word of 2020. Yeah. 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 Not 2021, 2020. Mm-hmm. Because we're all trying to figure out how to salvage our careers and our livelihoods. Right. Like, what, do you think, what do you think was the word for 2021? Well, 2021 was an extremely productive year for me. And I know that I was not, I know that that's not necessarily the case for everybody because I went online like crazy. Like I did all the things. Mm-hmm. I wrote a book. I have two podcasts now. Like, yeah, like I did all the things. I did what everybody is in their mind thinking that they should do if they can't leave their house. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I have the toddler too. I have, my, I have my daughter. So I'm like, what, what can I do? I'm so impressed. I mean, not even lying. I'm impressed too, because I don't even know how I did it because it's not like I have childcare. I don't. She's, she's a great kid, but when she wants to talk, she doesn't stop. Yeah. I've, I've, I've seen that occur. (laughs) Yeah. She wanted to talk to you. She didn't want me to, me to talk to you. Um, okay. So Natasha and I are kind of the same age. Mm -hmm. What do you find shifting as you're getting older in this profession, mm-hmm. two separate questions. And does it feel like a job now? What, what are your feelings about this life that we've chosen? Because at this point, like I'm in my mid forties at this point, it's not like, you know, when you're younger, you're like, I could just do something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now you're like, I need to stick with this because I don't have a lot of years <laughs> left of working, of being on this planet. Yeah. And I need to stick to what I'm good at. Yeah. Right. But you know what? I'm sure once, if you like, once you're 80, 90, a hundred years old, cause like, to be fair, we're probably going to live really long, you know, this. Well, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you're going to look back to when you were in your mid forties and, you, and, and like remembered what you said about not having a lot of time on this earth to, to pivot and do something else that you could potentially fall in love with. And you're going to think I would have been like silly girl. Exactly. Yeah. I have always felt like a student, even, you know, I, I've been teaching for a long time, but even then, like I, I still feel this hunger to learn and to develop, you know, as, as an artist and creative person and athlete and teacher. Um, but I don't have that hunger anymore to be the best or, uh, be constantly making up new stuff or have a huge name and win all the awards. And, um, I don't really care about that anymore. Um, and so I think therefore it, it's actually, uh, been good for me physically because I'm not pushing myself the way that I, I was before physically. Um, when I used to do all sorts of, you know, difficult things on the pole. Um, and so therefore I'm, relatively staying safe and not injuring myself except for, eh, except for like a two month period where I was very injured and thought my career was over. Um, Uh, shoulder? Uh, no, it was my piriformis. Oh. Nerve. Yeah. And it made like just any kind of hip flexion. I would lift my knee and just like double over in pain. It was horrible. Like two months. And how did you resolve that? I started going to physical therapy and they prescribed a bunch of, for me to do pigeons all the time. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so I, which is funny because there's a bunch of training videos on my Instagram because I was like, okay, if my physical therapist is telling me that I need to do pigeons to, uh, to, to, to loosen my piriformis, my external hip rotator muscles, then I'm going to do a shit ton of pigeon moves on the pole. And so I was just making up a whole bunch of pigeon shapes on the pole. So that was definitely a silver lining to being injured. Yeah. I, I, you know, and I'm sure you, you, you feel this way too, where you do think about the longevity of what you do to, Mm -hmm. to survive. Um, and you realize it's not, it's not going to be something that you're not gonna be able to move at this level. And I don't know, I don't know when we're going to start seeing changes in our body that's going to prevent us from you know, I don't know, 10 years. Uh, yeah. I, I don't do resolutions, but I do have a goal this year of just getting back to my height of strength, which was probably five years ago. It was, you know, pre-baby and kind of working more, just working smarter around my, my limitations because mm-hmm. same thing, like I'll overtrain so easily. Like mm-hmm. I'll get excited 
and I'll just go so hard. And my body is like, nope, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. If you work out hard, you got to spend just as much time doing recovery. I have to, I have to do the rolling and blah, blah, blah. You were talking about not feeling the need to be the best anymore. Would you say that in your life you've, are you a super competitive person? Like in your heart and your soul? Not with other people, but definitely I'm with yourself. With myself, yeah. So I don't know when it started. It was very recently that I started. I was never feeling competitive with my students, but now when they really get good, the amount of pride I have is way high. Yes. Super high. Mm-hmm. And I think I kind of have to, I think I had to kind of get out of my performing years a little bit for, uh-huh. to allow that to happen. Uh-huh. I, I, I didn't think you were going to go there. I thought, you, and I, I thought you were going to say that now you've, you're competitive with your students and you want them to fail because you always want to be the best. <laughs> <laughs> and I would have been very surprised. I would have said, Carrie, that's terrible. Um, but no, I totally know what you mean. It's right. Yeah. It's, um, And one other thing that I think has changed is that I care less about being the best in pole and more about being the best possible teacher that I can be. And, you know. Yes. Yes. It's incredibly gratifying to see your students succeed. Yeah. I know. Like, like to do as well as they can. Um, I realized that I had to get out of that phase. I I think it's really hard when, I don't know. There's a, are there a lot of young teachers out there? I don't know because the life, the lifespan of a teacher and then your, your performing years, they kind of overlap by a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't see a lot of aerialists or pole dancers who are like in their fifties and sixties teaching, right? No, that's not true. And pole you do. Oh, you do. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I will be when I'm older, mm-hmm. I'm sure. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if you see a lot, but you definitely see it. I mean, pole is, you know, it's a, it's, it tends to attract younger, primarily women. Um, and I think it's because it's a sport and an art form that's sort of like, oh, you know, it's, it's very sexy. And I think women in their 20s and 30s kind of like being sexy or, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas I think if you get older and you're like, I don't really care for that kind of stuff anymore. Or I don't, you know, it's yeah. not a priority for me always to be the hot girl in, in class. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I have some good friends who are teachers and they're in their fifties and. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. Yeah. That's wonderful to hear. I don't know. It, it, like I'm still, I'm coming out of it. But when, when I get called for an audition, it's me there with my students. We're up mm-hmm. for the same stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's going to shift over time because, you know, they're anywhere from 20, 20, 10 to 20 years younger than me. Yeah. But then you know, I'm not going out as much, but yeah, that shift took a while to happen because I'm now just getting out Uh huh. and they're just getting in a lot of them. Yeah. So what is that like seeing your students at an audition? Oh, we joke about it. Like we just do a, you know, I'll do like an Instagram story. I'll be like, this is what happens when the people that you teach and are way younger uh-huh. and hotter than you show up at the same audition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we just joke about it. Cause it's like, I know they have so much respect for me. Yeah. And I have, it's like greener grass. It's like, I have the experience. I have the name. People know who I am generally. Casting directors, I've probably been in there before for one or two things. But then that's Hollywood. Like Hollywood is looking for the ingenue. Mm -hmm. You know, Young, Hot and Fresh has always been a big, you know, if there's like a column of check marks, that's a big check mark. So is experience. Right. So- you know, you just don't know which day, which one's going to prevail, mm-hmm. you know, and they, they're going to have, okay, no matter what, I feel so bad for these young artists, dancers, aerialists, because they're just not going to have as much opportunity as I had. I did everything, dude. Mm-hmm. I did everything. I had 20 full years of dancing and that was all I did pretty much. Yeah. That's a long time. That is a really long time. And do you feel like you had more opportunities then because of the way the world was then? Or yeah, it's kind of like when you were talking about in 2009, how like when things were smaller, 
you got a bigger punch for stuff. Like you right. want to, you want a competition. Everybody in the world knows who you are in the pole world. Mm-hmm. You know, our industries were smaller. There weren't all these micro circles. Like everybody knew everybody in the dance world. Everybody knew everybody in the pole world. And mm-hmm. even though now technology and everything is just exponential, a great thing about it growing like that, but when we say the good old days, it was the good old days because there were more real like commercial opportunities mm-hmm. when it comes to like getting real jobs on real movie sets, commercials, TV, all that stuff. And it wasn't completely saturated. Mm-hmm. Is this, ta- are you talking about dance or aerial work? Um, More dance, but aerial, it's, it's kind of getting there. Like I used to, I used to just, I used to be in the air on the weekends and clubs like every weekend and those jobs just don't exist anymore. And are they not existing because of COVID? Even before that, really? they just started whittling away and we might have a resurgence. Like whenever somebody like pink does another performance, right. I get so excited because we just have like another injection of some energy into, mm-hmm. Oh, it's not going away yet. Or if Beyonce hires, you know, Daria or Dar, you know, like, um, Diva Dari, um, to be in her tour. Cool. Like an aerialist is in the air in that show. Carrie Underwood has aerialists in her show right now. Mm-hmm. So it always makes me feel like this is great because it's going to, it's going to feed the beast. It's going to feed our industry. People are going to be interested. There's going to be people, people to come in class. There's going to be gigs. Other productions are going to want aerialists. Right. I really feel like there's so many aerialists that don't have jobs right now. Um, there's people like me and Rachel Bowman, for example, who, you know, were in more of a business of aerial. I'm not worried about gigs so much, you know? So we're on the older end where we're worried about like, okay, what's my next app? <laughs> Which mm-hmm. <laughs> I did spend a good amount of like 2021 thinking about that actually, but I don't think I'm going to go that direction. I talked to, um, we have uh, Ali Cooper, who is in our industry, she did an app so well, so well. It's called Cirque Plus. Mm-hmm. And it's about like training to be in the air when you don't have time. Like it's ground Ooh. activities. It's ground, oh, it's ground work. A lot, of gr- a lot of ground work. And then it goes into aerial, but like genius. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I feel. Sometimes I feel like, yeah, sometimes I feel like it's getting saturated. But- I don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. I mean, what do you see knowing what you know about your industry in the next couple of years? It's hard to say Uh, because our our industry is, you know, you've got the competition side and uh, there's a few competitions that are going on, but I also very frequently will get an email and it's like, this competition has been canceled. We have to postpone it until this current surge dies down. Um, so the competition side, I have friends who organize comps and um, they've had to really drastically pivot because they just can't, you know, they, they can't hold an event where there's going to be several hundred people in a, in, in one Indoor space. space. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then as far as uh, like the performance side, that was not ever really something that I pursued all that much, but I would imagine it's probably the same as the aerial world. Clubs will hire pole dancers. I don't know if they're you know, there's probably not a lot of work going around right now. Um, and we're also beholden to a lot of the trends that are happening too. Um, like at, right after Hustlers, the studio was hopping. I mean, there were a ton of new students because everyone watched the movie and was like, I can do that. Mm. I don't know. It's a big question mark. I mean, we're different than the aerial world in that we a lot of the pole dancers have poles at home that you can install. And I know there's like outdoor rigs, um, that you can have in your backyard, but uh, it's much more convenient to have a pole in your living room that you can put up and take down and take classes online. So I think definitely, you know, people are have gotten used to training at home and maybe that's one reason why they're not flocking back to the studios because they have an at-home practice that they've cultivated over two years. So listeners, I hope you uh, enjoyed putting our toe on the other side of, <laughs> of the wall into the pole world. Um, cause I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated by it. I'm fascinated by Natasha. She is a, 
she is a magical creature to me. Oh, thank you. Cause I don't, cause I don't get it, but you know, it's like, they say the same thing about me and I'm like, yeah, but it's not the same, but it is. So, um, yeah. So what are you looking forward to this year? Oh my God. What am I looking forward to? Um, I'm looking forward to this pandemic finally being over and just, I'm yeah. I think like we're, we're all ready for it to be over. Well, I think that for other people who have not met you yet, I, I would love for them to meet you if they're in the, if they're, apparatus is already pull because like Natasha does the style that is not like the sexy, like she doesn't do the heels. She doesn't do all that stuff. She is, she's a pull athlete and it's just the coolest shit ever. And when you were saying that you're no longer needing to be the best and blah, blah, blah. I feel like I'm on that same page. And what I want to what I'm looking forward to is really like improving my entire life. Mm-hmm. Not just my artist's life. Yeah. Not just trying to make more money, like just overall. And maybe I won't have control over being able to travel. And maybe I don't know what those limitations are going to be. But yeah, I'm kind of ready. I'm kind of ready for for that myself. And I think that's a, I don't know if that's a resolution or, um, uh, but I think that's, that's a good one. You know, like we have to remind ourselves that, uh, it may seem like, you know, circus or aerial or pole is our life, but there's so much more to life than just, you know, this apparatus that we do, you know, um, we're, we're, much more complex creatures than just, you know, I'm, I'm a pole dancer. Um, so it's important to remind ourselves of, of life outside of the circus school or the pole studio or, you know. Yeah. And I have to say, this is probably the first time I've stated that goal in my life and meant it mm. because I, oh my God, dude, I am a super competitive person. I don't think people know that about me mm-hmm. because I'm, I will always act with kindness, but the thoughts that go through my head, you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. <laughs> are crazy. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's an upbringing thing. Hello. I mean, you know, culture has something to do with it. I don't know. I just no. like, yeah, being Chinese and like mm-hmm. just trying to be the best and just, I've thought, you know, like in movies where they, where they, they cut away to somebody's fantasy Uh and how they're like running the chick over with the car to like get out of the way in the dance audition. That's me. Oh, wow. Shit. No, I am like ruthless in my brain. And then I always, I know, I know. And people don't know this until I tell them because I never act on anything, of course, Mm -hmm. because that's crazy. (laughs) It's just in psycho, you know, but but I've been like that. And I think that's why I had such a long career because you have to care to stay yeah. in it. Yeah. You have to care. If you don't care, you're not going to get at the job because you have to push, you have to fight for it. Right. So my fight is just so hardcore and it's always been, but it's starting to, it's starting to soften. <laughs> I, well, you still have a lot in there. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm so impressed by people who have that kind of drive because I am way too laid back. And I think that's one of the reasons why I never pursued performing because I was like, eh, I don't want to like have to, you know, competing and performing is, are totally different. You know, a competition, you, you dedicate months and months and months and months of training and you have to have everything perfect, your costume, your music and all this. And, you know, like it, it's so much more rigid. Whereas a performance, it's like if, when I have performed, I either go all in and spend like way too much time putting a routine together or I completely half-ass it and it falls to shit. So it's like, I can't, I couldn't <laughs> ever find like a middle ground. Right. Um, okay. But, uh, I, I never really liked being the center of attention and have people look at me anyway. So that's probably necessary to be a good performer is <laughs> like, I like being on a stage. Um, but I admire that about you. That's, 
Yeah, that like medium level of narcissism, like constant hum that must right. I must have uh-huh. to be able to do it. But honestly, that is how you do it because the the moment I kind of stop caring is when you're done yeah. with, with it because, you know, there are other things to do. And I think that I'm finally seeing that there are amazing other things to do. I think my daughter has a lot to do with that, mm-hmm. you know, being being a mom. Yeah. So I'm changing before your eyes, Natasha. <laughs> the softer, gent- gentler Carrie. The softer, gentler Carrie, who's not, who's not a total hard ass of a teacher too. So mm-hmm. what I, else, the other thing I was going to say, I was thinking about this, the tolerance that I had when, when I met you, because we drank a lot. <laughs> I don't know how many bottles we, I think we had two between us in one night because we kept on looking for more. <laughs> we hit was drug fiends just like needing our next fix. I don't remember that part. No, we we got our hands on a second bottle at some point because after the show, uh-huh. we were given like we got a bottle and no, there was definitely two bottles. I don't know if we finished yeah. them. Uh-huh. And then the next morning, you know how brunch is free at a hotel sometimes, right? We roll into brunch, just hung over. That brunch was good though. I remember yeah, it was yeah, really, really good brunch. Feeling terrible. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So my point is that we will do this again and uh, we're just so good at it. Why would you stop? <laughs> you got to hone right. your skills. No, you got to hone that skill. Okay, Natasha. Thank you for being with us. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much to Natasha for coming on today. I really am missing your face. Uh, Hopefully I'll see more of it this year. The platform that she has created, I will put that in the show notes so you can go ahead and check that out pretty easily. And uh, yeah, check her out. She's Pole Cricket on Instagram. Her videos are awesome. Okay, you ready? Check, check, one, two, two. Check, check, one, two, three. Check, check the mic. Check, find the mic, mic, mic. Can you say, thank you, Papa? Thank you, Papa. Thank you, Asa Watkins. Yeah, the Papa. For one, post-production. <laughs> Please honor me with a five-star rating and review anywhere you get your podcast. Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, check my website for your free gift (laughs) yeah thanks so much for being here really appreciate you and uh yeah thanks for listening this is the expecting airless podcast would you like to say goodbye goodbye